We continue our message out of the book of Jonah, and uh, this one ties right into the video up here, and of course, in our cultural setting of all the discussion about borders, about immigrants, about illegal immigrants, about open borders, closed borders. It's like I'm lighting a match in the sanctuary, and it's a powder keg, and things are going to go off. Here's the thing that he said up there, is that what your opinion is, and what my opinion is, it doesn't matter. What God's opinion is, that's what matters, right? So whatever it says in the culture, whatever Democrats are saying, whatever Republicans are saying, whatever newscasts are saying, whatever uh, the neighbor down the street is saying, they can have their opinions, and I can have my opinion, you can have your opinion, but in light of God's opinion about the whole thing, it doesn't matter because God is going to accomplish His purposes in our country and around the world, regardless of what we think or what we feel. We can partner with Him, or we can stand on the outside away from Him. So Jonah, in the series, Why Me, Why Them? Jonah is much like many of us today, in that we had this, he had this great bias against the Ninevites. He had this feeling that that I don't want to go to those people. God, your blessing is on me. Your blessing is on Israel. It's not on these foreigners. Why are you giving me a message? Why me? And why is it them? Why are you giving me a message to give to these people who are, who are violent? They're vile. They're not God-fearing. They don't hold our values as Israelites. They're not part of your covenant. They're on the outside. So God, why would you take a servant of Israel a prophet of Israel, and send me to prophesy in a foreign land to a foreign people who don't love you, who don't serve you? And that's Jonah's big question, right? Why me? Why are you using me for this? Why them? Why do you even care about them? Because we're really your chosen people. So last week I mentioned a couple key points from Jonah's experience. He was in the fish when he wrote a song. This is Jonah chapter 2 about God's work and, and, and how God is going to accomplish what he's going to accomplish, how he's worthy to be praised. And we finish out that chapter, Jonah 2, verses 8 through 10, where Jonah finally concedes. He says, I, you know, I've been resistant to God, and, but here in, in, inside the, the fish, here's, here's what he says. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry, dry land. And I got to say vomited again in a sermon. This is, this is two weeks in a row I got to use the word vomited in a sermon. This is a good, this is a good message. So this is, where we, this is where we come out is Jonah's in the fish. He has a change, not so much a change of heart, but at least he knows what it is that God wants. And we know he doesn't have a change of heart because when the book of Jonah ends, Jonah's in the same place, essentially. He's still frustrated. He's still mad at God that God is doing this. So we can't say Jonah had a change of heart. We don't know that. But he did have a change of understanding of what's happening. He essentially came to the point of saying, listen, God, you are a good God, compassionate God, you are great in all your ways, and you're going to accomplish what you want to do. And so you've called me to be a prophet. You've called me to this journey. And so I will fulfill that for which you've called me. Whether I like it or not, I recognize who you are and what you've called me to, 
and I will fulfill it. I will say, and this is where he comes out with his proclamation, salvation comes from the Lord. And so, two main points, a couple things we brought up last week. One is we don't have to agree with God to obey Him. And that's where Jonah was at. You know, if God asks us to do something, we don't have to understand it and feel it in our heart of hearts that, yes, oh, I want to do this to be able to follow God. We can just simply say, Lord, you are Lord, and whether I like it or not, and whether I agree with it, I'm going to obey what you ask me to do. And that can be difficult at times, but we're, we're capable. Jonah showed us that we're capable of doing that just as he did. Just like children don't always have to understand, sometimes the answer from the parent is, because I said so. And that's enough, right? That has to be enough at times. And, and so it is. We want a loving relationship with our Heavenly Father. We want to understand and love what He loves and, and the things that He desires for us to do. But it's not required. Sometimes it's enough for us just to say, Lord, I will do it because you have asked me and for no other reason. It's not in my heart to do it. It's not my passion to do it. But I will do it for no other reason other than you've directed me to do it. And that can be good enough for us to take action. The second thing is the first step to deliverance is obedience. And that was true for Jonah. The first step to him getting out of the fish is saying, I will fulfill that which I said I will do. And what? You know, there goes Jonah up on the dry land. And, and so God has him spit out Jonah onto dry land. And that was Jonah's response of just saying, I'll do it. So obedience is that first step to deliverance. Sometimes you think, why am I going through this? Why is this so difficult? And in your heart and in your understanding, you recognize you've been resistant and holding back against something that God has asked you to do, directed you to do. He's told you to do it. And it's only until you step into that do you experience the freedom and the deliverance that God's wanting to bring into your life. And so the first step to deliverance is obedience. You don't have to agree with them, but if you take that first step, the Holy Spirit-empowered step, there can come real deliverance and real freedom for you if you, in, instead of holding on or harboring on to your own way, you step into God's way, you can experience freedom. So these are really important points when we think of learning something new. Our, our understanding and our obedience sometimes and oftentimes will happen at different points. And, and by that I just mean, have, have you ever learned something and you realize that your actions didn't match up with what you learned? So your head knowledge didn't match up with what you were actually doing or following through. And so it took a while for those two things to meet up. You understood it, but you couldn't live it yet. You couldn't, you couldn't practice it in your life. You had to catch up there. Or the opposite was true, that maybe you were doing something, if you've ever been in a work environment or been asked to do something, you were doing it, but you didn't understand why. You just were told to do it. But then sometime later, maybe a month or two, maybe even years down the road, you go, oh, now it makes sense. Now I understand why there's a certain order that I had to do things in. It, I was doing it, but I wasn't fully understanding it. So it's not unusual at all for us to go through this period of time where those two things are kind of out of balance. Either we, we have understanding, but we're not living it out, and that's difficult. We're, we're, we're stuck with an understanding of it, still trying to work it out in our life, or we're doing it, but we don't have understanding as to why we're doing it. And so that's really important to understand that this can happen is because if we only take action when those things are perfectly matched up, we can get stuck. We can get to a point where we're stuck. We're saying, well, I'm not going to do it unless God tells me why. 
Or I'm not going to do it until I totally understand what's happening. Or I'm, I'm practicing this and I'm, and I'm doing it, but I don't understand why I'm doing it. At some point, I need to have understanding to it. It needs to be okay to let those things be out of balance at, at some time. So this is the case with Jonah. He's told to obey without full understanding. He's told to go and proclaim a message to the Ninevites, a despised people by Jonah. Now, the reason they were despised is that, you know, if you look from Jonah's perspective, again, they were violent people. They were opposed to, they were idolatrous. They lived in this massive city, so they had great, great power as well. And Jonah, on the opposite side, had strong national pride. He was part of God's blessed people. So why should he waste his time going to another people when there was plenty to say to Israel? There's plenty of things that God could continue to say to Israel without sending him to a foreigner. Even more so, why would God even care about Nineveh? There were plenty of things in Jerusalem that God could care about. Why take time to prophesy to the foreigners? Now, this, this morning's message is, is challenging. And, and I think you know just, uh, I've been here five years, uh, I don't dip into the political realm. I don't believe that's the platform of what that's for. I, I proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. I teach the Word of God. And so you won't hear me lift up a political platform. You won't hear me uh, delve into politics from the platform. And this morning is no different. I have no political agenda. I have no direction. I'm wanting to go uh, except for go into God's Word and bring understanding about what He's saying in relationship to the foreigner and what our role is. And recognize the, the challenge that we have living in the United States. So, the, these issues, particularly about immigration and foreigners in our country, is a big issue right now. You cannot turn on the TV, you can't turn on a radio, uh, look at your news feed, uh, open up a social media feed without something uh, about shouting or arguing about borders, securing borders, open borders, immigration policy, etc. All, all items that really talk about what's our government policy, what approach is our government going to take to the borders around uh, the United States, our, our, our nation's borders. And, and so those are really important items when you're establishing government policy. And there's really intelligent people working on this issue every day, working on government policy. We're not talking about government policy. I'm not a government official. I have no interest, actually, just personally. I, I don't want to work in politics, and it's not something that interests me. So I'm not writing government policy. I'm not talking about government policy. I'm talking about God's heart for us, for the foreigner. Irrespective of borders, irrespective of immigration policy, irrespective of what our nation does, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we're talking about what's our directive in relationship to foreigners and how are we supposed to relate to them. And this is all in light of Jonah. So you're saying he kind of tricked us. He said he was talking about Jonah, and now he's talking about somebody who was sent and to proclaim God's word to a foreigner and had national pride, and yet now he's talking about us and our relationship to foreigners. That's how that works sometimes. It all kind of comes back around, and we go, wait a minute, are we in the same place? Are we dealing with some of the same issues that Jonah was dealing with? And the quick answer to that is yes. So as I said, we, we look at Jonah and we gain God's heart for the outside of the foreigner. And 
what my role is in that. It's to help turn down the noise of the culture around me. That's always part of what our role is, to turn down the noise of the culture, wherever culture we're in. So this is true of our brothers and sisters all throughout the world. They have the same obligation to their discipleship in Christ. Turn down the noise of the culture, look into the Word of God, and receive from the Spirit of God and say, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because I'm not supposed to mirror the culture around me, I'm supposed to mirror the kingdom of God in my life. So looking again at at Jonah, we gain that understanding of God's, what God's heart is, what does he require of us. So my role in this as pastor, and I know I'm giving a lot of, you know, wording up to this, kind of an intro up to this, but it's again, because it's such a charged issue in our culture, and because I don't talk about issues that border on political issues from the pulpit, I want to be clear about what my role is in this. So my, my role is as a shepherd to this congregation. I'm to shepherd and oversee this church family. So that's a pastor or shepherd role. And here's how that happens. One is to listen to God for understanding of where we are to move together as a congregation. So it's directional that I hear from God and where are we going to as we desire to express Jesus' church together, who we are together. The second is the role of a shepherd, is to look around at the wolves and the dangers of things that could enter into and be attentive to the culture around and direct us away from those dangers and the surrounding culture that can move us out of our identity with Christ and could move us more into blending in and looking just like the culture around us. And so, Those are two of the primary roles that I have as a pastor or shepherd of this congregation. One, here's where I hear and here's where we're discerning together where God is leading us. And two, here are some things that are happening around us in the culture around us that I need to point out that we need to be careful that we're not allowing that to creep into the body so that we don't start looking like and sounding like the culture all around us. Okay? So that's, that's the place that I'm coming from. I have no, no other agenda apart from those two things. So sometimes those things, as they were in Jonah's situation, they converge. Jonah had a mission, or God had a Jonah, uh, God had a Jonah, God had a mission for Jonah. Boy, sometimes those words just don't come out. God had a mission for Jonah, so God had direction But he also had a conflict that he was addressing within Jonah. So sometimes both the direction that God is taking us and the discipleship work that he's doing in us are convergent. They come across in the same way. And so it is here. God wanted to accomplish his his purposes with the Ninevites and he wanted to push against the message in the culture that Jonah was holding on to. That in order for Israel to be blessed, everybody else had to be judged. That in order for God to express his blessing and his love for Israel, everybody else, including the Ninevites, had to face God's wrath and judgment. And that's the only way that God could say, you're special and I love you, Israel, is to judge everybody else. So God's working against that that idea. So similarly, God has two messages messages for us to hear from Jonah. We're called to be and moving towards becoming an international and welcoming church. 
That's part of who we should be. We're not a borders church. We're a church that has open doors. And, and you say, well, does that, what does that mean about immigration? I don't know. I haven't even thought about immigration because it doesn't affect immigration. It just affects the gospel going out and having doors that are open for people to come and go and receive and hear the gospel and ministry in Jesus Christ. So if we're going to be an international church, then we look through the lens of all people are valued and loved by God. Well, how does that work out in terms of our government's policy and whether or not we allow people in who could be... Da- I'm not, I don't know. I don't, I'm not addressing that. <laughs> That's something the government's going to address. That's something that if you are so inclined, you, you get engaged in politics and, and relate to that. But as it relates to us as a church family... I'm not asking for immigration papers as people walk through the front door. I'm not checking their citizenship status as to whether or not where they come from. I'm saying all who would come and receive the bread of life, Jesus is here. Wherever you're from, whatever your background is, whatever your experience is, is this place is where Jesus will meet with you and you can be changed. And that, that's the purpose of, of, of my role and, and where I see us going. That's part of God's call over us. So it's a church that feels comfortable, not only for those who grew up in western Colorado, but also for those who come to our community for schooling at CMU, or to work, or just because it's a great place to live. How many of you, I, I'm not from western Colorado originally, I'm from central Oregon. Also, beautiful area, but boy, you come into western Colorado and you go, what an amazing place to live, right? A little ways over, you can uh, go up on the mesa, you can just ride out your backyard, you've got the National Monument. A few uh, hour past that, you go, you, you go out to Moab and you just see all the National Park there. Go to the south, you see the San Juans. I mean, what an amazing place, right? What an amazing place. And anybody coming from the outside goes, yeah, this is amazing. And I know, and I know because I grew up in a beautiful place as a, as a young man growing up in central Oregon with Mount Bachelor, the Cascades, and beautiful lakes and rivers. I know kind of the murmur that goes on underneath those who have been here a long time. Welcome. Hope you enjoy it. Now go home. <laughs> go back where you came from. You're ruining it. There's too many of you, right? I mean, that's, I heard it growing up, same type of things. Those Californians are coming in here, aren't they? That's what it is. Those Californians are, you know, and for us, it was those Portland, those Portland people are coming over to Bend from Portland, all those liberal Portland people. And here it's all those liberal Denver people and front range people are coming over here, right? And so I know how that works. It's that feeling of it's such a great place and they're going to ruin it. Listen, can I, can I tell you that, that it's a great place and it is difficult to balance that when you love something so much you don't want to see it ruined. And here's the catch, just like Jonah, you love Israel so much. How are those foreigners going to start changing Israel? How is that incorporating them and God blessing them? How is, how is that going to diminish your identity because he's blessing foreigners too, and now you're not special because now everybody gets blessed by God. That's just not the same. So we're, we're growing, we're experiencing, we're moving together of how to be a church that doesn't see ourselves as this, this group, 
but we're growing to see ourselves as a church that we could see people of every ethnicity, every nation, every language, every place around the world that just says, this place is for you. God has a place for you here. We want to welcome you into it. Secondly, we're immersed. Here's the other part of what's similar to Jonah. We're immersed in a divisive culture where political ideology draws up hard lines. And I don't think any of you would say you're wrong in that. All you have to do is turn on your TV, look at your news feeds, your social media feeds, and there's hard lines, us, them, those people, we, they, and our country has become a group of people where everybody's on different ends of the spectrum and nobody can stand to be in the room with the same person. Those people. And so part of what we're looking at as followers of Jesus Christ, is saying, listen, we're not about drawing up hard lines and dividing out people. We're about lifting up the name of Jesus and who Jesus Christ is and pointing all eyes towards Him and saying there's room in the kingdom of God for so many different people and so many different views to be able to come together and still worship and love Him. In the culture, there's not kingdom of God values. We don't find kingdom of God values in the culture around us. We find political values of conservative versus liberal, Republican versus Democrat, so on, so on. So part of my role is to close the doors to that in the church and say in here among us as we're living this out, we find unity in the body of Christ. We find unity around the bread. We find unity around the cup. And we fellowship together. This is where we invite into the room Jesus and His kingdom and His body and what He values. And everything else is personal preference. Everything else is just, you know what, I I don't think that way. I don't believe that way. So that's not my personal preference. I don't go that direction. But the unity comes around who Jesus Christ is, what His Word says. So, It's a very long intro, I realize, but that's on the table. I want to put that on the table just so you understand where this comes from. Not out of heart of talking about U.S. political immigration policy, but at looking at what is God's heart. God loves the foreigner. God loves the outsider. God says every one of us were foreigners and outsiders. So he says, I want you to think in those terms, not in terms of we're inside, they're outside. I want you to think in terms of we've all been on the outside. And so you welcome in the outsider with grace, with dignity, and with love. So let's pray that the Holy Spirit will open us up to embrace all that he has for us and open us up to what he has for us in the scriptures this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your word. As we look at it this morning, Lord, I know even just the words that I've spoken, um, yeah, there's, there's things bubbling up in our own, um, our own thinking, our, our histories, uh, arguments that we've made for or against, um, disagreements that we have. Um, and, and so, Lord, I just pray that you would still the waters as you have done. So many times, Jesus, you just speak the words, peace be still. And any anxiety and anxiousness and discord that would be within your body, 
Lord, that we would experience your peace and your presence above all else. Help us to know you, Lord. We know that Jonah, at least in this book, never got there where he had your heart for the Ninevites. Lord, we don't want to stop early. We don't want to end it there. We want to have your heart for the people you love. So lead us through this time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage of Scripture we're looking at, uh, we just go back to Jonah's writing this amazing song inside the fish. Uh, and then it finishes out chapter 2. It says, Jonah makes this agreement, I will fulfill that which I have vowed. And it says, God commanded the fish to spit Jonah out, uh, the, the fish to spit Jonah out uh, onto the, the shore. And so there he is, uh, Jonah 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The first time he didn't get it right. First time he ran, comes to him the second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So again, God speaks to Jonah and that's the directive that he's given him. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. (laughs) Different language, different direction that he takes this time. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. We'll we'll put a period there. That's it. A very, very brief message, and repentance ensues. I can't tell you how many preachers or pastors would love to have those kinds of results. I see... Mark Harris over here nodding his head after so many years of ministry. It's, you know, it feels like you pour your heart into it. And here's, here's Jonah with uh, probably some measure of apathy. <laughs> Remember, he hadn't yet been convinced that he really wanted to do this. And this message, here's the message. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Just walking through the city. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Out of that comes what we would call a revival. It just breaks out. People take on sackcloth. They begin to repent of their actions and, uh, and, and just calling out for mercy from God. And so just full-on repentance. Now, some say, and I've read a few different commentaries, and, and this would be just like God. We don't know for certain, but this would be just like God, that uh, the idea Nineveh was a port city. Basically, the, the name translates something like fish town, Right? And so they, they were known, they probably had, most likely had fish idols. They actually do. They've uncovered archaeology sites where the fish was a, an idol for them, which wasn't uncommon. If you dealt in commerce and, and uh, usually had some type of idol that related to what it was that you were buying, selling, or that made provision for you. And so the Ninevites, <clears throat> can you imagine if your god, one of your gods at least, is a fish? And then the people that are along the coast all of a sudden see a fish come up and a man come out of it. You would probably listen to whatever that man had to say because he is essentially the embodiment of the God that you've been worshiping. 
It's very easy for me to see that's how God was working this out because God just has such a way of taking people's cultures and taking ownership of them and conveying a good news message and proclaiming the word by manipulating and using their means to be able to get the word to them. So this is it anyways. It's, it's so quick, so responsive. And of course, this is problematic for Jonah. They're responding and he still hasn't changed his heart. He agreed to do it, that he would obey. But here's some things that I think would have helped Jonah. Because here, here's where I'm at. I mean, and, and, and I only have two quick things that I want to share. So, so please listen close. Here's, here's where I'm at. I don't want us to get to the point like Jonah where the book finishes and we said, I did the stuff God asked me to do, but I don't really care much for what he asked me to do. I don't share God's heart for what matters to him. I just do what he asked me to do, but I don't really, I, I don't really care about it. I would love for you, I would love for myself in my walk with Jesus Christ to both obey Him and love Him and love what He loves. I would love to love the people that Jesus loves the way that He loves them and follow through and do the things that He asked me to do. I would love for those things to be congruent, to be melded together. Unlike Jonah, who ended up in this place bitter, angry at God, disappointed that God was doing things that Jonah didn't want Him to do, I don't think that's a place you want to be. I'm saying that's a place where we as a church don't want to be. And so how do we get there? Here's where we can make a, a, a turn away from what Jonah did. One is God sees people before nations and political groups. People matter to God. And if you see people through the lens of their political, social, their taglines, you're going to have trouble being on board with what matters most to God. People matter to God. So all of the stuff that we fret and we worry about, and hear this, I really believe this is part of what God wants to do when I talk about, and we're singing and God wants to set some people free. Some of you have been carrying the weight of this nation on your shoulders, that you somehow are responsible to carry forward the, the purity, the love of God in this nation, the, 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 the weight of this nation's responsibilities are on your shoulder and the freedom that needs to come to you to say, you know what? Surrender that to Jesus. Can you love the United States of America? Yes, and if, as a citizen, if you live, you should. It's, I believe, the most spectacular nation in all the world. And, and the, the way that our early uh, founders set up as a democracy, a republic, and, and combined those things and separated powers, it's absolutely incredible. But if you and I assume responsibility for this nation, that you or I are going to keep it in a certain direction and make it work, we're going the wrong direction. As much as it's difficult for all of us to understand this, the United States will not exist when Jesus finally comes back and takes the throne. There will not be any nations that exist. They will all be put down Every ruler, principality, and power put on its face before Jesus Christ. And Jesus alone will reign in supremacy. So this idea that you have to hold up 
And you have to lift up and carry the burden of this nation. Jesus wants to set you free from that. The responsibilities you have, you have a stewardship responsibility of voting. You have a responsibility to pray for your leaders. Absolutely, that's directed in Scripture. You have a responsibility to recognize that those in authority over you were directed by God. Democrat, Republican, Independent, whoever they are, they were set there by God. And you're not to rebel against them, but live a quiet life in obedience to Jesus Christ so that you can share the gospel and bring the kingdom of God wherever you go. God sees people before nations and political groups. People matter to God. He's not a respecter of these tags that we put on people. They have zero context in the kingdom of God. In fact, all it takes is if you travel overseas, they have zero context in other places too. You learn really quickly that all the things that we get worked up and talk about and throw around, they actually have very little context in life itself. And God doesn't ascribe them to people. He sees people before nations and political groups. And if you want to end up with God's heart, you have to see people without these taglines. You have to see people without being able to ascribe to them their ideologies and say, well, that's just who they are. And they're this way and they're that way. Did God change your heart? Are you the same person you were before you came to Christ? You shouldn't be. Behold, everyone in Christ is a new creation. The old is past, the new has come. So nor should we look at other people and say, well, they're this way, and they do that, and they believe those things. They may right now. And does it conflict with God's word? It might. I don't, I don't know what the issue is, but it might. But can God work in their heart and change and work in it? Absolutely. So we can put down those taglines and say, I love that person. Because they're made in the image of God. And so they're worthy of the dignity and honor that I can give to them. The second thing are, the Christians are citizens of heaven first and foreigners on earth second. This is something Jonah was just struggling with. He's like, I am an Israelite. Why am I going to the Ninevites? I am, I am an Israelite. God cares about me. He cares about the Israelites. Why am I going to these people who are just wicked and evil and they have no interest in God? They're idolatrous. God was using Jonah, one of his servants, who felt compelled to obey God. I've got to do this whether I want to or not. Because, why? Because God's my God. I've got to serve him. God uses one of his servants. Here's, here's the irony in all this. Jonah's such a good book. The irony is God takes somebody who's resistant to his purposes but has to fulfill them because he's a prophet of God, sends him to a people who are violent and, and idolatrous to set those people free. If you can't see the irony in that, I mean, that's, that's God at work and he just, he just says, listen, if he could po- point it out in the passage, it would be, Jonah, <laughs> Jonah, you're, a, you're part of my kingdom first. You're part of my kingdom first. You are Israeli. You, you, you are part of my chosen people. But first and foremost, you're my servant. So you're going to do whatever I ask you to do, even if it works against your own senses. So scriptures teach us that we are citizens. Followers of Jesus Christ are citizens of heaven first and foreigners on the earth. It goes back to that whole passage. Why does God want us to love the foreigners? Because we don't belong here. If you follow Jesus Christ this isn't home. 
You're waiting for your citizenship in heaven. You're foreign. You're just passing through. You're a sojourner. You're awaiting a much better place in the presence before the face of God. And so the challenge is for us is that we don't start fighting for territory here on earth when we say this isn't our territory. We're fighting for territory for the kingdom of God, which is people's hearts and minds and their souls that they might be in relationship with the one true God. We are foreigners. Every last one of us as followers of Jesus Christ, the United States is not your destination. It's not your home. So the more we feel at home and fight for this to be, feel like home for us, the more we're kind of getting pulled into the culture around us. The more we're missing the point that we should be a little uncomfortable. There should be laws that don't really fit the way that we would do things. There should be leaders that lead politically that we go, uh, that doesn't really match God's word right because that's their political system. Our citizenship is in heaven. The one who leads our life, the one who leads our kingdom, is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the way that He does things and the way that He teaches things and the way He instructs us to live isn't born out of what's happening in the culture around us. It's born out of heaven. As it is in heaven, may it be on earth. This is tough, right? This is tough. Because I'm appealing to you as aliens, as foreigners in this place, not as citizens. And we so want to belong. That is at the heart of every human being. I want to belong. I want to belong in the culture that I'm a part of. And what Scripture tells us is, you can be here, but you don't belong here. Yours and my purpose is to bring the kingdom of God to here. To bring the way of Christ to every place that we go. To think, we think differently, we see things differently. Jonah couldn't grasp that. He couldn't grasp that he could bring the blessing in the kingdom of God to people who didn't deserve it, who were vile and idolatrous. So he held on to this sense of, I'm just holding on to my own sense of self, my own blessing. And God, whatever you want to do, you do, but I, I don't care much for it. Here's the, here's the instruction for us. What are we supposed to do? Well, we are supposed to live in such a way that we hold up a barrier against unrighteousness. So what I don't want you to hear me say is, just wipe your hands clean of it and just walk away from it all. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. One, you and I pray regularly for the leaders of this nation. You're instructed to. I'm instructed to pray for the leaders of this nation. Two, you're supposed to live in such a way that your example of life in Christ brushes up against or bumps up against the culture around you. And people go, huh, that's weird. Why do you do that? Well, because I don't live according to this world. I live according to the kingdom of heaven. So that's your barrier. People should stumble over your life at different times, different points of the week. People should go, that bothers me that you do that. I understand. It's like if you've ever been, and I've had this before, Jerry has talked about this, my wife. If you've ever gone to happy hour after work and you're the one that doesn't drink, 
people don't really want you there. It feels awkward. It feels a little bit awkward for you, but it really feels awkward for them when they say, what are you going to have? You, hey, we're all doing margaritas, and you're the one that says, yeah, I'll just have a Coke. Really? Yeah, no, I'm good. Just Coke is good. There's something about this idea that you're kind of weird. This is happy hour. Don't you know what happens at happy hour? We all drink, and we all just kind of unload our problems. But you're going to be a full sound mind, and we're unloading our problems, and we're not comfortable with that. I jest, I play, you know, but there is some truth that your life, and I'm not associating, please, drinking with sin. I, I know there's drinking that doesn't happen sin. Right now, I got to go down this rabbit trail of all this. What I'm saying is there's different points in your life where it's going to bump up against the people in this world, the culture of this world. So those are the things that we're called to as citizens of heaven first. We don't wipe our hands of it. We pray for those in leadership. We also live in such a way that we brush up against people and we let them see what the kingdom of God looks like. And we get engaged in as much as God calls us to. We have Occasionally, we have a vote as well. That's part of our stewardship. So we should be engaged and informed and, and use that vote. We should be active as much as the Holy Spirit leads us to. But we shouldn't expect this world to take on the likeness of the kingdom of God. We should love people because God loves people irrespective of what their titles and their taglines are. And we should understand that we're citizens of heaven, not of here. So this will never feel like home to us. There will be some things we enjoy. There will be people that we get to know and share life with. But the culture around us, the way that the government works, the way that the laws that get enacted, they're never really going to feel like home to us. Because as a follower of Jesus, this isn't your home. You're awaiting that heavenward place where we get to be in the presence of God all the time and experience the peace of God and the fullness of God all the time. I'm looking forward to that. Amen? Amen. Well, let's finish with this. The worship team is going to come up. And I want to encourage us. Um, if you are one who feels like or senses that you've been carrying such a heavy burden for the nation, and if you were to sit and reflect on it, and you would say, is this a burden that God and the Holy Spirit has put on me? That He is asking me to carry this on behalf of our nation? And as you reflect on that, I'd say there may be a couple of you that go, no, God really didn't do that. I just feel saddened for the way that our nation, the, the direction it is or what it looks like. I feel saddened by the laws that are enacted. I believe it's important that you feel the freedom not to carry the weight of that burden. That you roll that over to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I want to pray for my nation, but I can't carry the weight of the burdens of how I think it should go and where we should, where we should end up. It's too big. It's too much of a burden for me to carry. So, Lord, I'm turning that over so that I can experience freedom. The freedom to live in your kingdom without a sense of guilt that I'm letting something go, but that I'm just trusting you with, uh, with the, the nation that I so deeply love. 
Others of you, this idea of citizenship in heaven. You know it's there in Scripture, but you really haven't applied it to your life lately. You've allowed the cares of this world to build up and build up and build up. And a freedom can come to you this morning, this idea that I am released to love God and to be free in His kingdom and to love people without the tags that I could otherwise put on them. Jonah ends up, preaches a very simple message. God had already primed their hearts to receive. So by the time he preaches, they're just ready to repent and respond. May we be people who are just responsive to the Holy Spirit when he has a message for us. And of all the things that I've talked about this morning that we would just ask the Holy Spirit to lead us not to put up our defenses, but to be able to say, Lord, what is my role? How do I both love this country, but invite your kingdom in its fullness and to live that out, to be a welcomer, to be an includer? Would you join me in standing? Every Sunday we take the last few minutes of our service to respond. We have response time in worship. And so that response is just simply saying, I turn my eyes to Jesus Christ to lift him up above every other name. So that may be an appropriate or a good response for you this morning is just to simply declare the glory of Jesus Christ and his praise that he is worthy of it all. And that's your stance that's melting or mending together both your head knowledge and your actions and what you respond in. We also have communion up front. We, once a month, we receive it all together, and the, the other weeks of the month, we provide it for you. It's available up here, the bread and the juice is there, and you can just take the bread and dip it in. And that may be an appropriate response for you if you are identifying with Christ, His broken body, His shed blood, that he laid himself down so that you and I could be included. And so that's your identification that you're not an outsider if you're in Christ. You get to be on the inside, a son, a daughter. And lastly, we have an opportunity to respond with our prayer team. So they're available to you at the back of the sanctuary of our prayer room. And And if you're wrestling with some of the things, oftentimes the Holy Spirit is working in such a way that even things that I talked about come to the surface and you just need prayer, just invite you to go back. They would love to pray with you and agree with you in prayer to God about what it is that that God wants to do. For some of you, it might be healing, physical healing. We believe that God is at work and He heals our body as well as our, our mind and our spirit, but also that It may just be that he's mending relationships. Whatever it might be, we just invite you to go back for prayer. Lord, we give you this time now, our response to you. Uh, Lord, I pray that anything that I said that uh, didn't line up with Scripture in a way or was amiss just slightly, if I I said something in error uh, and, and wasn't cognizant of it, Lord, I pray that you would just extend grace, uh, that you would allow there to be a God- this ability to hear from you directly. And so, Lord, I pray 
that which you want us to understand more deeply, that we would go farther with you in it. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would take the sting out of some of my words as well. I know for some it feels um, offensive or harsh, and I pray that you would not allow that to derail us from ultimately landing at the place where we're part of your kingdom, citizens of heaven, and that we're passing through. And so we need to understand how to include as many as we can into the kingdom during this time and not worry as much about the divisions that might separate us out, but really work towards communicating your word and the good news of Jesus Christ. We thank you for this time. Now we respond to the glory of Jesus. Amen.